I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast, and I'm taking this time to ask you during the month of December to financially support the Cato Daily Podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute to advance individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support our efforts. This is the only time of the year when I make this request, so I'm adding something. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout-out on the podcast, or you can designate another individual to receive the benefits of that donation. Just visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started, and thank you. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, December 11th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Mark Meadows, the White House Chief of Staff for former President Donald Trump, was cooperating with the January 6th committee, and then he wasn't. His reasoning has to do with the committee seeking outside information about Meadows' communications with the president. The law in this area is not precisely clear. Cato's Julian Sanchez explains. Mark Meadows was chief of staff for Donald Trump during his administration and now after the January 6th attack and Donald Trump and the administration, I guess, their role in that attack. Mark Meadows has been cooperating with congressional requests for information, and then he stopped. And then on a an interview program, he said one of the reasons that he was stopping was that Congress was seeking from carriers or subpoena, uh, sending subpoenas to carriers for information. My assumption was that he was referring to uh, cell phone carriers. And my first thought was, well, you don't have any privacy interest in that information. And you're telling me that's not really the central issue here. So tell me why I'm wrong here. Yeah, it's surprisingly unclear uh, what Congress's legal uh, powers are in this context, because we have a whole lot of Fourth Amendment case law governing law enforcement, executive branch attempts to obtain information, whether by search warrant, subpoena uh, or other methods without a warrant. Um, And similarly, we have uh, federal statutes written to govern law enforcement executive branch access to uh, sensitive digital records, both metadata and uh, communications content, like uh, the Stored Communications Act, part of the uh, Electronic uh, Communications Privacy Act. Um, But in both cases, we don't have nearly as much, either in terms of federal statute or case law, that is clear on either the uh, statutory or uh, constitutional limits on Congress's ability to obtain such information. Um, And so we need to think first, I think, about a couple of types of information that are covered, really three types of information that might be covered in uh, congressional subpoenas to uh, telecommunications carriers and and platforms. So on the one hand, we have communications content, um, which is receives very strong protection, both under federal statute and uh, uh, as a matter of constitutional law. We have non-content, broadly speaking, um, metadata, information like who called who when and for how long, uh, that sort of thing. And then there's a sort of novel category of uh, non-content information that the Supreme Court has suggested um, does receive Fourth Amendment protection, at least when the government or the executive branch attempts to obtain it in 
in sort of the aggregate in large amounts because it's particularly sensitive. Um, and in Carpenter versus United States, uh, the uh, Supreme Court held that uh, there was a Fourth Amendment right against the acquisition of, uh, sort of ex- extensive and, and protracted cell site information, which could be used to very precisely uh, geographically locate an individual. And this is sort of a departure from the standard that had been established for many years, known as the third party doctrine. This idea here is that other than communications content, when you turn over information to a third party, like the phone company or an internet provider, you sort of waive all of your Fourth Amendment interests in it. Um, and that's why your bank records or your phone bills can be obtained without a full-blown Fourth Amendment search warrant. Um, uh, here, the court said, okay, yeah, we, we had previously said uh, that this this sort of thing isn't covered, but um, this seems so sensitive that we're gonna we're gonna narrow that third party doctrine somewhat. Um, to and also at the statutory level, it was actually ambiguous as a matter of uh, a constitutional law for a while whether stored communications content like the email on your email server was protected by the Fourth Amendment. Um, after a case called Warshak in the Sixth Circuit, it is now broadly assumed. Um, that um, a warrant is required to obtain, for example, email content in the same way, uh, at least from a third party. Um, you can always subpoena an individual for content um, for their own to produce their own content. Um, that that is that is in fact uh, protected by the Fourth Amendment requires a warrant. Um, but so for other kinds of non-content, for other kinds of metadata, the primary protection is statutory. Now, this may be what Meadows had in mind when he said that he thought Congress had made an illegal request for information. The Stored Communications Act says, first, with respect to non-content records like phone bills or um, other kinds of Internet metadata, that telecommunication providers may not voluntarily disclose such information to any governmental entity, except quite counterintuitively, uh, Congress does not count as a governmental entity. Um, this is just a, a, a weird thing where governmental entity is a legal term of art referring to uh, agencies or departments of the government, uh, which is courts generally regard as meaning uh, across you know, a, a range of other laws as meaning executive branch agencies uh, and not encompassing the legislature. So in that case, it seems as though to the extent the primary obstacle is the Federal Stored Communications Act, um, the prohibition on disclosing non-content to a governmental entity probably does not restrict the production of that information to Congress, except at least as it, except as it concerns things like cell site records, um, which the Supreme Court has held are kind of a different kind of non-content information. Um, then we get to content, things like the content of an email or a, uh, you know, a voicemail. Um, there, uh, uh, the Stored Communications Act prohibits disclosure to any entity with a couple of exceptions that don't apply here. Um, and, you know, there are some people who would argue, well, unless Congress explicitly said any entity means Congress too, um, they should be assumed not to limit their own power. I think the more reasonable reading is that that's a categorical prohibition. And so Congress would be barred from, uh, from getting a disclosure without some of the processes uh, listed there. Now, the problem, of course, again, is, well, Congress doesn't get search warrants. So, if you read the Stored Communications Act that way, um, it's it's not clear what process there would be um, for Congress to obtain that information from a provider. Um, it would seem like they would have to essentially uh, uh, subpoena Meadows, um, or at least 
maybe have a process where where Meadows is involved and having an opportunity to uh, to challenge it. Um, you know, somewhat surprisingly, really, when it comes to the Fourth Amendment restrictions on Congress, um, the last time we really get a Supreme Court um, view on this is uh, in a case from the 1960s called McFall, M-C-P-H-A-U-L, um, that uh, evaluated a subpoena from the House Un-American Activities Committee seeking information about a group called the Civil Rights Congress that had been designated as a subvers- subversive organization. And the Fourth Amendment discussion there is really about three sentences. Um, and again, we have a ton of Fourth Amendment case law about government agencies obtaining information for law enforcement purposes. Uh, we have a lot less when it comes to case law uh, really limiting the boundaries of Congress's ability to obtain various different kinds of, of information that have different uh, degrees of constitutional Fourth Amendment protection. Um, but it is worth noting, I think, you know, scholars regard the Fourth Amendment as, uh, you know, among other things, a limitation on Congress, right? So the section that says, no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by with their affirmation, particularly describing the, the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Um, that was motivated in part by the fear that Congress might uh, decide to authorize general warrants for one purpose or another. So it's making clear that, look, no, Congress cannot um, statutorily authorize uh, searches that are not particularized and not based on probable cause. Um, again, there's, there's questions about the extent to which subpoenas qualify as searches, um, which is a whole rabbit's nest. Um, but it's, it's clearly not the case then that that the Fourth Amendment shouldn't be read as binding uh, binding Congress, right? It would be perverse to say, well, we're going to prevent Congress from authorizing general warrants, but by the way, they can just directly issue them themselves. That, that, that can't be right. Um, but exactly what the limits are and what mechanisms might exist for Congress to obtain information, given that they, as a rule, do not have uh, statutory authority to seek search warrants um, is is unclear. This is an underdeveloped area of law. So it seems pretty clear that Congress can obtain the information about Mr. Meadows' uh, phone calls. That is what they call a pen register. That is simply the information about the call, but not dealing with the substance of the call, but anything else that is the discussions within those communications, probably a much harder uh, task for Congress to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, so a pen register usually refers to live interception of metadata. So if you had a, a, effectively a kind of limited wiretap that only gets metadata about a phone call or internet communication. Okay. So stored records then. Oh, so yeah, if we looked at stored records that are not content, uh, I think it's reasonably clear that the Stored Communications Act does not prohibit Congress from uh, obtaining that information because, again, counterintuitively, they're not a governmental entity. Um, and so, uh, in a sense, right, their, their kind of constitutional subpoena authority, which is not based in statute, um, then persists, right, sort of survives a claim of claimed objection under the Stored Communications Act. So, so to the extent they're asking for communications and metadata like phone bills, that does not include geolocation information, um, that they can probably obtain via subpoena. When it comes to geolocation information and content, um, it's, it's much less clear, not just what the extent of their authority is, but also what process they, they you know, ought to be going through under current law. 
to to do that kind of thing. Um, and I think this is this is actually an issue. The House passed on several occasions some years ago uh, uh, proposed amendments to the Stored Communications Act intended to clarify, um, you know, essentially the extent to which this applies to Congress and what Congress's authorities are. Um, but that's never passed. So we are, uh, for the moment, left with a question mark. So uh, Meadows' complaint just seems to be Congress is asking for information that I myself am not able to provide to them. They're seeking out information about me from some other source, and uh, that gets in my craw a bit. Yeah. And and with respect to metadata, I don't think he has a, much of a case, at least under uh, under under current law. We know that under, uh, under the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence's uh, investigation of Russian electoral interference, um, they did. Uh, obtain communications metadata pursuant to their investigation. Um, that was actually somewhat novel, um, despite the sort of the constitutional subpoena power of Congress being you know, pretty long, long established. Um, this is not the sort of thing that they had they had really much gone in for previously. Um, they did in that investigation obtain, uh, I believe, for the first time, telecommunications metadata. But they did make a point of saying we are not seeking content. So I think with respect to their ability to obtain his communications metadata, uh, Meadows does not have a great argument um, with respect to the content and certain kinds of metadata like geolocation. Um, he may have a better case. Julian Sanchez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.